0: And welcome to 5 Fitness and Nutrition Podcast with your host, Julie Payne Monk. And today we are going to discuss rate yourself between dot dot dot. Now, that can be any scale. That could be 1 to 10. That could be great to extraordinary. It could be shite to right. Whatever scale you use, we're going to have a delve into what that looks like. And today, to discuss this, I have a guest with me who's more than qualified and experienced. Uh, to get into this topic with me. His name is Mr. Tim Cooper and I've been working with Tim for around four months now. And um, he's somebody who has certainly pushed me out of my comfort zone. Um, not always been comfortable doing that. It is the total getting uncomfortable to be comfortable. And he's someone who has trained with the top life coaches across the world. Um, and that's why I felt it was important to get one here today. And I say someone who's helped me grow professionally, and personally over the past four months. So welcome, Tim.
1: Hi, Julie, thanks for having me. Um, Humped as always uh, to be part of whatever it is that you're doing, so I'm privileged that you welcomed me on your show. So thank you very much for that.
0: And Tim, for people who haven't connected with you before, key question, who is Tim Cooper?
1: Oh, that's a nice question, one of my favorites. Well, I I can tell you, uh, who I am or what it is that I do. I think maybe obviously this is a podcast. Yeah. So um, so let's start with what it is that I do. So I'm a high-performance coach um, and I've built a global coaching business. So I get the opportunity to fly all around the world consistently actually to, uh, to, to coach people, mostly in Europe. Um, so I'm grounded right now. As I'm sure most people could be aware, uh, we're recording this in COVID-19. And so I'm used to doing three to four flights uh, a week uh, to, to fly up to see people, uh, including yourself. And um, so I've got had that opportunity now for probably around two years that I've been doing that. Uh, I've been doing coaching to that level. Uh, and I've built that off of the back of, you know, a real story of adversity, I, I suppose. I, I chucked in a lot of time, effort, money, um, into my development as a coach and as a person and now I get the opportunity to go back and help people in the position that I once was and so performance coaching for me is a mixture of personal and professional Um, I've got multiple different clients that you know align to different uh, for those to those different areas and I've got clients as well that have both going on and so uh, you know I don't really differentiate between who I work with depending on which area they need me but Um, the areas in which I specialise in is both personal and professional performance. So that's a little bit about me. I've got my own business, which is uh, the Tim Cooper Academy. uh, And that academy uh, enrols other coaches um, to be trained as coaches. Um, I've got Academy Monthly that obviously you know about, um, where I've got a huge group, uh, community of people that get to join me through this testing time. Uh, and I obviously have programs in place that allow people to take their lives to the next level. And that's exactly what I do.
0: And what about outside of the work? So it's all about the lifeboard, Tim. So outside of that work career, who is Tim?
1: Oh, I mean, outside, I, Tim is um, an authentic, genuine, hardworking, loving human uh, that loves his dogs, his wife, um, loves taking down time. Um, because it can be very, very testing, obviously, when you're running a coaching business, the scale that I run, um, especially the type of clients that I tend to take on, um, need a lot of my energy. And um, so I really um, value, in a real precious way, that recovery that I get. Um, I love to produce music outside of that. I used to produce music years ago. I love to DJ. I don't do that anymore, but I've still got all my vinyl and my decks set up um, and have a little play with that. I've still got my keyboard right here in front of me right now because it's, um, it, uh, it's part of what I do. I'm a strong believer of having hobbies outside of your career for sure. Um, I'm a real family man. Um, I love uh, my mum and dad. I'm always making sure that I'm connecting with them as well. Um, but, but over and above that, I think, um, you know, if you, was to, if you was to sum me up, I would probably say I'm black and white and I use that black and white in a way that is solely and truly genuine and authentic to my values. That's, that's who I am
0: outside of my coaching uh, practice, let's say. Good stuff. Thanks for sharing with Tim. What type of music are you into? Just out of interest.
1: Oh, do you know what? Multiple uh, different areas that I love in music. Um, There's loads of different areas that inspire me, actually. I really like jazz. I love it. I I think uh, jazz, and I'm not so much into, like, classical uh, music, but I'm into, like, a classical jazz that I really like because, um, I don't know, there's something really soothing about it. And um, as you can tell, and know, I'm a bit chaotic in terms of energy. I'm, like, 100 mile an hour. And... (laughs) I, I, I saw sort of when I work with when people coach me, they're like, Tim, you just gotta slow down a little bit. You gotta you know, just gotta dial it in a little bit, turn down the notch. And so jazz for me really, really helps me. But here's the funny thing. I say that I love jazz, but yet I love producing house music. So that's me all over, right? Yeah. I'm inspired by jazz and what it brings and, and uh, all of the, the elements of jazz and the different instruments and as they combine and collaborate and come together the sound that they make. Uh, or the sounds of the tracks that they make I love, because I think that um, that serves a different uh, purpose in terms of what it is that I have in my life. But yeah, it's so Tim Cooper to use jazz to, you know, produce house music. That's so me, That's so me. So yeah, house and jazz, let's say.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on the house, not so much the jazz.
1: we <laughs> will <laughs> right. get there, we will get there. <laughs>
0: All right, so moving on to our topic in terms of rating yourself. So it's something probably listeners are thinking right now, rating myself, what are they comparing? What are they comparing yourself to when they're asked that question, rate yourself between? Is it in yourself that you're rating between your performance now compared to another time? Or is it actually against something else or someone else, whatever that looks like? And probably a lot of us don't actually realize half the time that we're doing it. So I suppose for me, Tim, First question to you is Why does it matter if we compare ourselves to other people? Is it an issue or is it okay to do that?
1: Well, I, I think certainly comparing ourselves to others can cause many problems. Um, when I use like numeric targets, i.e., um, you know, measuring yourself, um, that always comes from a place of measuring yourself right now in the present moment. And um, as you know, Julie, um, I like to use the lifeboard because it gives us a real good measuring tool for us to understand actually where where is the balance in our life sitting right now? A lot of the people that I work with um, could literally, um, if I was to say, uh, score yourself from one to 10 in your career, they'd be like 10. Score your productivity, 10. Yeah, score your action taking, 10. but they But a lot of these people... Uh, End up working with me because they're so close to burnout, and so they're striving and going after the accolades and the targets and the you know the next part of the career ladder or the step up, you know at the cost of them not spending time with their children, their family, working on their health, not getting enough sleep, good nutrition going in, and so this is what so many of us tend to do. We focus on one area. And then we define ourselves whether we are successful via that one area. But life's a little bit more dynamic than that, right? It's more rounded than just having a great job, being good at your job, and being successful in your career. There are many, many more um, different segments to life. And so when when I use a a scoring system, it's about uh, understanding where you're sitting in terms of the dynamic of your life. Where do you actually sit in terms of, I don't like to use the word balance, but moderation maybe, across different areas of life. And so, you know, we tend to really focus on, like I say, setting tasks and goals around career and stuff. But, you know, one of the things that I get people to do is set goals that are based around being and feeling and, you know, set goals around that that make you feel proud of yourself, that make you feel... Uh, empowered, that when you're being strong and confident, these are the goals. The internal, the intrinsic value that these goals give you will far, far exceed and outweigh over the long term the goals that you're setting in your career. But that all depends on how you define success.
0: Yeah, as you say, that's a hard mindset shift because it's easier to pin yourself against the number. And a work a career because let's face it, if we're working five days a week and contracted probably 35, but probably more likely doing 40, 70 hours, that does become your life um, and it becomes the driver to everything else you achieve. So, whether that be the holidays, the house, and the lifestyle you might be driving for. So, for that switch is quite difficult. And as you know, I come from a corporate background where everything was about the half year yearly reviews, you got a number pinned on you. And that number was a difference between pay rise, bonus, future careers. So even if you went for a job within the company, people would look at that rating to see, oh, is this someone that I want to interview? So, so much went on your performance in your rating and being as good as your last project. So what would be your kind of tips for people dealing with that and how not to make it take over your life, really?
1: Well, I think it, you know, in any career, not just corporate world, just any career that you have, any job that you have, if you're benchmarking yourself on a numeric number, um, you're setting yourself up for failure in the end over the long term. Um, I, I think what this really comes down to is your core values, what it is that you value out of life, and why. And um, you know, whenever you get out of alignment with those, those values, there will be something that. You know, out of nowhere, you think it's not out of nowhere. Turns up and smashes you straight back in alignment to what it is that you truly believe in, and that's called a breakthrough or a wake up call, right? In in pure cockney terms, wakey wakey. And um, and so what actually happens is um, we chase the, the the numbers, and then we put our self worth on these numbers, and we're like, okay, if I'm ninety percent doing. Uh, Oh, sorry, let me rephrase that. If I'm doing this work here at 90%, but yet Julie's sitting next to me doing it at 92. Jane's sitting next to me doing it at 93. Mark's doing it at 92. Well, do you know what? I'm behind the game here. I'm really behind the game. And what does that have psychologically in terms of effects on us? Well, it makes us feel like we're not good enough. That's the first thing. It makes us feel like we're slightly insignificant in terms of the environment that we're working in and with the people and the organisation in which we're working in. And so that is a trap that so many people fall into, making and judging themselves based upon the numbers that they see on the board. And my uh, perspective okay. of, of all this, or view, sorry, is basically to say, do you know what? What this is really, really about, what this really, really is about is you actually looking at your life from a different perspective, as a full-rounded, full life. You know, what? what is it? If you used to look at your life, the last time that you experienced true fulfillment, what was happening, what was taking place, what was going on, right? And most of us will normally go to something outside of work or it might be work plus something else, right? Plus something else. And so there might be people listening to this that are super driven, Right In terms of their work, their career, and so I just want to you know put uh, lay the foundations here a little bit I've created um, a secondary business that isn't nowhere near what I was turning over and earning ten years ago. I had a lot of money going through my hands at that, that point, millions and millions and millions of pounds coming from a place where. I was brought up with not millions of millions of pounds, let's say, right? And so I chased the next hit of dopamine from that money coming in from that, um, from that next career progression, from that promotion, from those targets being hit through the accolades and the awards that I was winning as a team fucking um, you know uh, manager, and I'm stepping up the game. and I can tell you right now. It doesn't matter who you are. You can chase them for as long as you want. And you can sugarcoat them and cover them and smooth over the cracks. And you can make out to yourself that these are the things that truly deeply fulfill you. But on a deeper level, when you look back at yourself in the mirror in the morning, you know deep down that there is a void missing. Because the secret to living life, as you know, is giving, right? That's what it is. It's to give out, give out to the people that you love, give out to your friends, give out to other people to contribute. And so chasing a financial figure or chasing a position within some form of career will normally, I'm going to watch my words here because not all the time, will normally end up in a place of lack of fulfillment. How do I know that? Well, I know that through delivering over 10,000 hours of coaching since I started my coaching practice in person, one to one. 10,000 hours working with people that have come to me experiencing it. So, without um, sounding Charlie, too, big potatoes, let's say, I'd like to say that I'm a little bit qualified <laughs> in giving out some form of information in this area. And so, if you're chasing those things, you're going to soon end up with the door pushed in your face, and your life at that point, you're going to realize that I've been going after the wrong things. That's my answer, Julie, to your fabulous question.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Tim. And I just wanted to share, I suppose, my experience in terms of... So I was chasing those numbers. I was chasing those promotions, as you said. um, And I thought I was in a good team of people who supported me. um, Thought of us as equals. Although, yes, there was performance differentiations there, but we all worked as a team, helped to deliver, working all hours under the sun to deliver what was the biggest thing this corporate company was doing to transform its business um, and then we got handed redundancy notices and uh, we went out for lunch and we said oh whatever happens we'll all be friends we'll all be nothing that won't affect our friendship but what one person meant was it didn't affect our friendship as long as it was you not me so when that person got a redundancy notice and I didn't and I was secure in my role it kicked off big time and for me I was like it took a while because I was getting all sorts of just drama from that person Um, and almost hatred towards me for me being secure in my role and it made me realise that oh my god like you know you've got pure comparison but when you think you're friends with someone and you know their family and you're helping them through life issues that actually the people that you're sitting working beside, the level of kind of trust and commitment and Kind of just relationship you have with that person might not be what you think it is when it comes to things being thrown up in the air and their role being impacted and would you say tim that would be down to their confidence of how they viewed yourself against you or what do you think in terms of that behavior is what kind of drives that
1: well that's um that's a simple one for, for, for me julia like if somebody is judging you based upon what somebody has handed you and yet what that's actually doing for them, i.e. they didn't get the same thing as you got, Mm -hmm. instantly dials down and drills into their, I'm not good enough, right? And so this gives this person uh, a lack of significance because they're asking all sorts of questions around why her and not me. And so sometimes there are, you know, there are not logical answers to logical questions sometimes you know the buck stops or falls in different places and sometimes the world works in different ways in order for us to push people into different areas right and at that time it can be tough for people that don't get the things that they want to get and see other people getting those things and so when that happens when they want something so bad or when that then gives them so much uncertainty around other areas of their life like financial around their relationship like you know what is that going, that redundancy what is that redundancy going to do outside of the relationship with you well it's going to have a huge impact on the money that they're bringing in right that money maybe or that impact of the money can have a huge impact on the relationship at home that can have an impact on the experiences that these people then have over the next six months whether that's cutting back on things that they, you know, that they love doing, not going on holidays, not being able to put more savings away. That it like and so the context of it really really matters because it you know, this person losing their job it could mean I'm just making stuff up now, but what I'm saying is it could mean to them that you know what no longer they can pay for a flight to go and see their mum in Australia or across the world or whatever it is. So it's the significance, right? And the uncertainty that it gives these people. And so it's not about you, Julie, it's about them. It's 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 the cracks that have, again, been smoothed over uh, over years that they haven't really uh, rebuilt or redesigned and just smoothed over. And now this thing that's coming up and making them feel a certain way about those self, their self, it, it, in, in fact, this thing, this situation, right, was just a situation. It just happened to be, Julie, the situation that you was involved with. Mm -hmm. This could have happened with this person in many different ways, right? Because ultimately, the situation or the scenario is what creates the reaction. And there could be multiple situations or scenarios that could create that same emotional reaction to what actually happened to make them not feel good enough, insignificant or or uncertain. So it's not about you. It's about them.
0: (laughs) And I suppose that always comes with the risk when you make work your life, so it is everything. And we talk about in the corporate world, people being institutionalised where they don't know anything outside of that world. So when things like, you know, I've got hand redundancy notice every two years, so I kind of knew when it was coming. Um, And I kind of learned to have a side hustle and set something up for the future so I could take back control. So when it did come around again, I gave myself options to take that control back. But I suppose that scenario kind of says for those people who are still sitting there don't believe they can do anything outside their immediate role, then the risk is that they're going to put themselves in that position.
1: Well that's the difference between a fixed and a growth mindset. You're that that you know, you're you're running a growth mindset saying, Okay, how do I adapt? How do I adjust? How do I pivot? You know, what's, what's, what how mobile do I need to be in this situation? Um, that's smart it's it's looking at your life as an investment a time investment and actually saying okay this is probably not going to uh, be in my life forever and so having that conversation with yourself and asking yourself what is it that I can do right now that can really impact my life in four, three, five, ten 10 years and then taking action on that that's smart that's what people should be doing and understanding that nothing's ever set in stone and yet what we tend to do is we want to set it in stone. Why? Because that gives us certainty again. And so, you know, putting all of your eggs in one basket, I'm, I'm a believer of focusing on one thing, being becoming very good at it, and then specializing in it and becoming a professional in it, right? I'm all about that. But what I'm also about is having some form of contingency in place. What if, just in case, all right? What are my skills here? What's the knowledge that I can bring in the world? Bring into the world. What have I learned over this time that I could maybe deploy into another area to make myself, uh, you know, an authority figure or someone of influence uh, and, and someone of persuasion? Um, and how do I get all those things? Put them into a, you know, put them into a bundle and create a different version of myself. Now, I might not need that version right now, but at least what I want to do is put in the time, the effort, and the dedication just in case I do need this person moving forward. And that's smart.
0: And lots of times you'll hear from people, yeah, but I don't know what i do. I don't have time for that because my day job's taking up all my energy, all my time. What would your response be?
1: Well, I, t- I can tell you what's taking up all their time. I know why they haven't got enough time because all their time has been taken up by their excuses. That's why. That's why they haven't got enough time. Their time is life's most valuable currency it is because you can't buy it mostly right and so people will put time constraints on their dreams their goals their ambitions their desires and they use it to put themselves straight back into that level of certainty again oh do you know what i'm not going to grow outside my comfort zone here tell you why because that's uncertain Right, that's uncertain. I'm not going to jump because I just don't know what's on the other side of the jump. Yet they don't really actually understand at that point that it's not falling in the pile of shit or the bed of roses, it's the jump itself that's beautiful. It's the jump itself that's the growth. It's the not knowing, right? It's the jumping, it's the taking the chance. It's the saying there's an opportunity here and I'm going to go for it. I'm not quite sure how this is going to work out, but meanwhile. Why Julie 1.0 is sitting back there thinking about it. Julie 2.0, she's already made a dent in it, right? And that's, that's the difference. I think, you know, when people are saying they haven't got time, um, they haven't really tapped in to what it actually means for them. So, for example, one thing that I use all the time in my coaching practice is shock intervention, right? It's a brutal tool, but it puts somebody in alignment instantly, right instantly so if i said to you julie um over the next 30 days i'm gonna need you to spend three hours on learning about respiratory right and and by and and so over the next 30 days i'm gonna need you to know the ins and outs of respiratory right your first answer is tim i haven't got three hours to put in respiratory you're joking I've got got, got things to do. I'm busy. I've got PT busy. I'm trying to run. I'm doing this online stuff. I've got to cook. I've got to do this. I've got to clean the housework. Now, watch the difference? Julie, I'm going to need you to learn three hours about respiratory every day. Because what you're actually going to need at the end of the month, right, is 30 lots times three. Yeah. Of hours added up in order for you to save your mum's life. Right. Now. You're scheduling it. You're putting a system in place. Why is that? Because it means so much more to you right now. Because what you've actually done is you've attached it to an emotional outcome, something that you value beyond yourself. And this is what we don't do, right? We say that we haven't got time. It's bullshit. What we've actually not done is tapped into the real deeper meaning behind why we we should be doing what we're doing. And until that happens, we'll keep giving up, Starting stuff, giving up, starting stuff. Prime example, oh, the clock's just chimed on New Year. Ah, tell you what, let me show you my list of goals. Let me show you what happens. February, March tops, you're not following through. They're not being done. Why is that? Because they don't mean enough. You haven't attached that emotional attachment to them, and so they don't have a big enough impact on your life if you don't do them. That's the key, if you don't do them. So, It's not about time, Julie. It's about the excuses that people are putting in to that time.
0: Okay, so here's maybe another one you'd do is an excuse that I hear a lot when I say to people about getting their plan B. Because I say when you work for a big corporation sorry corporation, you're nothing but a number. Ultimately you'd like to think you're more important than you are, but it comes to number crunching, cost cutting. They still have your plan B. And what they'll often say is, Oh, well I need to stay for the kids, I need to Stay with a couple of years until so and so's out of uni, and I need to wait and see, and I'm doing it for the family. Would you say that's them hiding behind that as an excuse?
1: One hundred percent, I would. What I would also say is that I um, am super empathetic for people that end up in that position, um, in this catch twenty two. What like what? What do I do? What the fuck do I do here right now? I mean, a uh, good a good framework or a system that you can run through to to really help you with that. Something that I use is that, you know, when you're an emotional creature like me and you live a lot by your gut and wear your heart on your sleeve and make your decisions through there, um, that means that you can be susceptible to, you know, leading in with obviously heavily emotion when it comes to making a decision. I'd like to think that, the the skill that I've developed and the knowledge and the people that I've worked with and the time that I put into my own personal development now allows me to make that emotional decision faster than I ever have before, right? But before that, there is a framework that I need to use. Number one is numbers don't lie. They don't lie, right? And so the facts, the figures, the here and now, the data, the measuring, the charts, the spreadsheets, you know, like all of the stuff that you can get right in front of you right now look at the data, look at the analytics, whatever that is, whether that's life analytics, whether that's the money going out, uh, whether that's, you know, the kids' school, whether that's food, whether that's, you know, roof over your head, whatever it is, they all need a logical approach. You can't make an emotional decision from that because you just fucking end up quitting your job, selling your house, don't worry about the kids' food, I'll just make it from somewhere. Now, that doesn't work, right? That doesn't work. But what I would say is, Once you've gone and done those things and gone through that process and looked at all of the logical-based information that you've got, ask yourself this one question. Does this feel right? Because ultimately, it doesn't matter what logic backs it up. If it doesn't feel right internally, then you're doing the wrong thing. In my eyes. In my eyes. That's the framework that I use. So it's like reasoning, facts, reasoning. And then I ask myself, do you know what, Tim? Is, is this sitting right with you, mate? Is, is this something that you should do? Perfect example, right, of like football players. You could get a football player, a striker, right, that plays for, um, you know, like a, a, a really good team and all of a sudden it's transfer window time. This guy's been scoring like over the last two years, 30 to 40 goals a season. On paper... And factually, evidence-wise, he looks shit hot. In fact, he is. He's got golden boots. He's got all this. Then, then he signs up for a team, right? That is at the opposite side of Europe, right? Opposite side of Europe. He then starts for that team. He can't score a goal. He literally—it's like somebody has just taken all of his talent away from him. He looked good on paper, but here's the thing there are so many different factors that go towards that move to that other football team, changing the environment, moving house, school, kids, family, wife, all of these factors that come in that we forget about. They're the things that really matter in my eyes, in my view. And so whenever you're making a decision, weigh it up, look at the here and now, but whatever you do, don't say yes if it doesn't feel right.
0: And I think it's a tough one, Tim, because there's a danger that you wait for the perfect time. So when you're weighing up those facts with that gut feel and it's waiting on that perfect time, and whilst I uh, ticked the I shall go box for my redundancy, there was still that nervousness around taking that leap of faith and going for it. And then um, other people going, don't do personal training don't join the fitness world the pay's crap the hours are rubbish and you have all that negativity at you um, and and our people can go oh I wish I was that lucky that I could just leave and it's like it's not about luck it's taking a, a lot of work and working two jobs to get me to where I can take control and make that decision but I suppose it's that thing there was that slight part of me that was like oh another year would be good maybe another two years just financially get a bit more money behind me before I do it um, so how do you kind of find that sweet spot in terms of when something feels right versus you know, staying another couple of years or you know, not taking that leap right now? It's that balance of perfectionism between feeling good doing it and resistance to change.
1: Well, there's a few things. I, I mean, whenever you're changing, first thing that you've got to do is accept it. Accept that change is coming, right? That's the first thing that you've got to do. Accept that there's going to be a, an end, and there's going to be a new start and in between that time there's going to be a transition whatever it is um when you go to end something there's going to be loss there might be some trauma whether it's a relationship job whatever it is and because you're used to being in that thing and so your life's about to change and so you've got to go through that process right um but One thing that you need to do when you are changing and going through that exit strategy or that process, you need to look at what's the opportunity here for me. What, what am I going to miss out? Maybe if I don't take the jump. And so why have I actually got to this decision in the first place? How have I got to, I want to leave what's happened. What's backing that up. Why have I literally had the conversation with myself about redundancy? Well, I tell you why something is broken. Something's broken. And so one of the main things why people don't jump is overwhelm. They're not quite sure where to start. They're not sure. There's so much information from people that are trying to come in and dictate what they would do in that position. And so, especially when there's people that you love and they're trying to give you some advice and guidance, like, I would do this, I would do that, I would do this. What you wanna do is, have you thought about this right now? Maybe this is a good way to do it. You're like, for you? it's too much too much going on one, one of the things that um i say to people i just had um i just had a, a, a call before this with a guy that wants to work with me he wants to become a coach and you know he's currently um, training PT and stuff like that and, and um you know many coaches would say well you're perfect to become a coach just start just become a coach get these books gone these courses do this I'm like, no 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 no, slow down slow down because change Right. Change isn't easy. It's not. Right. And as I've mentioned many times with you, as you know, we all like change, but we don't like to force to be changed. None of us do. Right. And so, how do we deal with overwhelm? Right. When changing, well, perfect example is the guy that says, like this guy, the coach, let's say a guy says, I'm going to open a restaurant. The fact that he says, I'm going to open a restaurant. Is literally already put a level of overwhelm on what he had, what he sorry, what he actually needs to go and do. He's like, and he tells everyone, "I'm going to open a restaurant." So he's putting all this pressure on himself. Oh, I'm going to open a restaurant. Blah blah blah. Well, what you should be doing is saying to yourself, "I'm thinking about maybe opening a restaurant. It's something that I'm interested in." And so, okay, well, if you're interested, if you're interested in something. What's the very next step that you take? Well, you research it. You start to find out more about it, especially if it's an area or a sector that you've never moved into before, if it's completely new, right? Why is that? Well, if you're moving out of something, you want to get more familiar with what it is that you're maybe moving into. Always good, right? Always good to yeah. know a little bit more about where you're going, obviously. And um, so when, when you do that, You want to just start with saying to yourself, today I'm going to take 15 minutes just to research maybe what it takes to open a restaurant, right? And then the next day, I'm going to jump on Google again and do another 15 minutes. But this time I'm going to change and broaden up my search. And I'm going to type in people that have opened successful restaurants, right? And then I might type in what resources do I need to open a successful restaurant? Right? And so all of these little incremental steps that we take start to break down the bigger target, the target that we all look at and go, fuck, that's huge. That tar- I hope we can swear on it, by the yeah. way. <laughs> We're screwed now, if not, sorry. <laughs> and, and, so, and so it's that, that target that overwhelms us because what we do is, Julie, as human beings, like, we are very rational in terms of, uh, irrational, sorry, in terms of we decide something, then we end up jumping. We don't put ourselves through that transitional period, like I mentioned, with the facts, the weighing up, the figures. Then does it feel right? You know, we decide something because what actually happens is we don't like the thing that we're doing so much that we say we're going to do something else because then it doesn't really represent that we're still doing the thing that we don't want to do anymore, right? So we go and do Oh, no, I'm this now. Well, like, wait a minute. You're still working there. Yeah, but I've decided... This is what I'm going to do. This is who I am. I'm going to do this and end up doing it. And so that sometimes paralyzes us from actually doing anything, because we hire higher. Sorry, we um, we set the bar higher than what we need to, and it's so big that that bar overwhelms us and it stops us from starting. That's why you get so many people that are shoulda coulda. Sort of maybe I should have. Yeah, I was thinking. Oh, no, 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 I'm not. Are you getting on with that thing? Oh no, 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 I'm not doing it. It's, 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 it's not. It's not. It's not for me. were not for me. Whatever. You told me you was going to open a restaurant. I was expecting like an a, an open date and an invite. Not. I'm not doing it anymore. You seemed a lot further up the line than that. But that's what we do. Psychologically, we put ourselves and we ask ourselves questions. So we perceive to be further up the line than we actually are. Why is that? Because it takes us further and further away from where we currently are. But yet we forget in the middle, there's this little bit called uncomfortable work that we need to do. And that's the transition in between change.
0: And yeah, I've definitely seen that in people where I see if they're even going for a job and they'll go, oh, I'm not sure about, I'm not sure. I'm like, but all you're doing is applying and there's no guarantee you're gonna get an interview. And even if you do get an interview, it's a two-way process. You might go in and think, I don't want to work here. It's not for me, It feels not right, before you even get offered the job. But people put so many blockers in the way before they even apply for it, never mind the interview and the whole process that you have to go nowadays to get that actual job.
1: It's that language, Julie, that we use with ourselves because it makes us feel like we're achieving. That's why. We use the the language that we use with ourselves in terms of like, I'm going to be now. This is who I am. This is what I'm getting. Rather than I'm considering, I was actually thinking about looking into. These are the things that we should be saying to ourselves. Because look at the difference between that. Even like even in on this podcast right now, if I say to you, if you say to yourself, "I'm going," the instant pressure, instant pressure. But if you say to yourself, "I'm considering looking into," you're like, ah, it's all right. And yes, it might be, a le- le- at this time, it might be less committal. But that's what I think that we need at the start. We need intrigue. That's what we need. We need to find out more about what it actually means. Because I'm using a restaurant again. But going and opening a restaurant, what effects does that have on other areas of our life that maybe wasn't being affected in our last job? And so we might be stealing from Peter to give to Paul, right? So these things don't show up until we start to enter a different sector, a different job or whatever. There are different time constraints on these things, different challenges that come up. We don't know that until we're actually inside them because guess what? We've said we're going to be rather than actually like, oh, I'm going to consider researching or looking into. Um, So if anybody's listening to this right now and they want to start something or they're considering looking into something i would say slow down take one step at a time also as well remember that when you're transitioning it should be exciting right and don't steal that excitement from putting the pressure on yourself and overwhelming yourself and then doing one of the worst things that you can do possible is go and tell every fucker and their dog that you're going to run a restaurant Because the truth is, it's probably going to take six months to a year before you open the doors anyway. And
0: then also compare your progress
1: to other people as well. Yeah. I mean, comparison, I mean, it's the, the, the thief. It's the stealer of joy. There's only one time that I ever use comparison. And that is to compare myself to my old self, but use it as leverage. That's it. That's the only time that I use comparison. And and I use it in a way and I look at my and when I mean leverage, I will go back, I'll look at myself and say, You achieved that in two thousand and seventeen tip. Which tells me, Mr. Cooper, you can turn up the notch right now. That's what it tells me. It doesn't mean that I then go back and relive the difference in the gap. I'm not like, Oh well, do you know what? Two thousand and seventeen I was doing this. I had this body, but like these figures this performance no 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 i'm actually like oh now that's exciting that's exciting because if i have achieved this before if i've showed up in this way before and this is the result that i've gotten from that then wow who could i become now with three years more worth of experience and knowledge maybe somebody a bit better maybe maybe that's the only time i use comparison.
0: And what would you say are your kind of like three top tips to avoid the negative comparison of ourselves against other people, whether it be on social media, through the workplace? If you're finding that self getting into that headspace, how can we prevent that? Or what steps can we take to avoid being in that space?
1: Okay, so, so the first thing is, and it sort of umbrellas everything else. So it, in fact, it's just one answer, to be fair. Um, but I'll try and work it in. For, 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 if it's so one, that's all
0: good.
1: Yeah, yeah. One answer is focus. That's it. You can't benchmark, look at other people, see what other people are doing. If you're focused on what it is that you're doing. Now, how do we become focused? on to the second thing. Well, you need to create a plan, strategy or a vision. That's what you need to do. The, The reason that we get distracted so often and look at other people is because we're not clear on what it is that we're going after right we're not clear what it is that we're going after so we feel the need to watch other people and then we benchmark ourselves and our progress on what it is that they're doing so for example if you are looking at other people on instagram that are in the same in the same sector as you same industry and you're constantly benchmarking yourself right against those people well you're on instagram too much following the wrong people People should be there to inspire you, right? Not for you to benchmark your progress on. So make sure the people that you're watching lift you up, bring joy into your life and start to see that there are possibilities that you can become more if you decide to be optimally, optimum, when you decide, let's read that. when you decide to have optimum focus. Right, that's when you get what you want, as you know. And so, when you've got optimum focus and you've got the vision, the next thing is productivity. Right, productivity, you've got to be disciplined enough. Right, I'm gonna give you loads now. You've got, be, you've got to be disciplined enough to be at that top level of productivity. Right, and so, how do you be at that top level of productivity? Well, you need a system you need to schedule and you need to make sure that the most important appointment that you ever make ever is the one in which you make with yourself. That's it. I think there's five or six there. Sorry for going on.
0: on, on one, once I get on one, you know, <laughs> I know. I know.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> lots for people to go on your attendance. So thank you I very much. And I just want to go over some lifestyle questions for yourself. Please, Just please. chuck in some little questions to get to know you a bit more, how your mind works. I don't know if it love it. I focus. Oh, I okay. love these, Julie. This
1: You're, is, ready this is, this is, love You're ready for it. You're ready for it. You're going to like yeah. this first
0: one. Right, yeah. you've got the choice between a 10K run yeah. or a 30-minute grit session with me.
1: Um, I would go on a 10K run. 10. <laughs> Do you know why that is? Because I get to control the pace of the 10K run, Julie, and I know you're just going to try to destroy me.
0: I wouldn't try. I'm a very supportive coach. A top jump counts no matter what height you can do.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Definitely a 10K run. Disappointed.
0: Never mind. I know you would be. (laughs) Holiday destination. Would you choose somewhere hot or somewhere cold?
1: Well, normally somewhere hot. But we've been looking at somewhere cold. I I, I think I'll, I'd like to go to Sweden. I haven't been there, Stockholm maybe. Um, me and Amanda want to go. We were just watching a, a, a film the other night. It's like, maybe we should go somewhere cold. Um, but uh, I still like going somewhere. I love the south of France. I'm considering getting a place there, like seriously considering it. Been looking actually over the last couple of days um, at a place there, especially now. A lot of my business is is online and it's close to an airport, so
0: yeah. Yeah, so cold, but potentially living hot.
1: Yes, living hot, go away cold.
0: Now the next one's gonna be a tough one for you, I think. You've got the choice between books or music. Music. Oh, that was quicker than I thought it would be.
1: Yeah, I, I tell you why, music for me really ignites something in my soul um, that I've never found in anything else ever in my whole entire life. Um, it, ha- in 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 fact, let me backtrack from that a little bit. It gives me a very very similar feeling to when I really transform someone's life, and so that feeling of euphoria, the hair standing up, being present in the moment, and losing myself and surrendering myself so that moment that's what music does for me i totally get that
0: totally get that i was um, a bit low energy earlier i was like oh what's wrong with me today
1: not any music on oh you gotta put the music you on julie I'll... Send you my... in fact i made a track this is one of the things where I'm, I'm as you know i'm hot on hobbies yeah. and um i i I, ha- I had my own record label for four years actually before i started coaching mm-hmm. i dj from 15 years of age actually i worked in a record shop and you know, um worked on pirate stations and all stuff like that, um, all the way up to, like, the age of 27. And music's just a massive part of my life. And this weekend, I was like, I'm going to make a track. So I did. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'll play it to you. Not now, obviously, but I'll send you it. It's good. I'll wait on that. That'll
0: be good. Next choice, a beach hut or a villa over the water?
1: Well, that depends on my state. I would probably say right now in the state that I find myself in as currently in this business, where I am, lifestyle, beach hut. Yeah, and what, the, stri- what makes you say the difference between
0: the two? What it's makes-
1: just stripping it all back. It's stripping it all back and just like having like minimal um, things that I need and, you know, just having that time where I don't need to worry about anything else that I normally worry about so a beach hut is the opposite to what I've got right now. So that's why I would choose it.
0: I'll let you picture that in your mind to keep you going the rest of the day.
1: Yeah, I, I, I you see it, right? I yeah, visualize it. totally. Yeah. And the next one,
0: biscuits or haribo?
1: Julie, that is the hardest question. I don't think I've ever been asked a harder question than that. Well,
0: I don't know. The next one might be a toughie too.
1: That is tough. <laughs> I'm going to go with Harry Bowes. I'm going to go with Harry Bowes. The reason why is because Harry Bowes gives me that instant gratification and I can use them when I'm on the bike. That's I'm
0: right. surprised at your Harry Bows. Have you ever had like candy kittens? Julie. Some I'm, a
1: sweet I'm a sweet connoisseur. Like when it comes to sweets, I know my <laughs> shit. And so, yes, I am. How can you
0: sell your Harry when if you've eaten candy kittens?
1: I just love that. the Harry Bows for me. This just look, I'm a simple guy, Julie. Leave me alone, my Harry Bows. I love them.
0: <laughs> right,
1: last one: sunglasses yeah. or
0: lycra?
1: Oh, Julie, <laughs> this is brilliant! Sunglasses. I love a nice pair of sunglasses, and I like actually wearing sunglasses not just when it's hot i like when it's that winter sun i like wrapping up big jacket sunglasses scarf i like that sort of weather and um yeah the reason that it's sunglasses is because it represents sun whenever the glasses are on there's sun there so i love sun i love it it's a massive part of my life so definitely sunglasses yeah
0: okay, thanks again for your time 10 Tim. if anyone's not already connected with you how can they connect with you
1: uh, yeah, thank you, Julie. Fantastic conversation, as always. Love what you're doing and um, really thought provoking questions for your audience. I hope they got some value out of it. If you want to get a hold of me, um, you can go to my website, which is www.timcooperacademy.com. Um, if you want to get hold of me personally, you want to speak to me, um, you can email me on tim at timcooperacademy.com. If it's super important if not if you'd like to find out about more coaching programs how you can enroll into my academy or um, you know inquire about some speaking opportunities or coming into your business you can uh, email Georgie that's G-E-O-R-G-I-E at Tim Cooperacademy.com. you can also get me on social media predominantly um, Instagram and it's at The Tim Cooper Academy at The Tim Cooper Academy and the same on Facebook as well uh, I've also got a podcast that is very stagnant right now. I haven't recorded anything for a long time, but something big is coming. So um, you can go onto iTunes and that podcast is The Art of Unlearning. I haven't recorded anything in there for two years for a reason, I may add. So sit tight uh, on that front.
0: And I shall pop all those details in the description as well. Thanks again Thank you. for your time, Tim. Been good catching up as always. Yeah,
1: thanks, Julie. Cheers.